want you to turn to Mark chapter 2 uh, this morning. We're going to uh, backtrack a little bit. I hope it's not redundant. I hope it's a good review. But um, the Lord laid on my heart to preach this same passage with a little different viewpoint. And that's God's viewpoint. Amen. I think we ought to see things straight. I believe we ought to see things uh, exactly as God sees them. That's the Word of God. Amen. You know, I preached on wisdom this past uh, Wednesday. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, uh, I think one of the definitions of wisdom, I put it in the bulletin. I was so in, uh, excited about how God moved last Wednesday that I put some of the outline in the bulletin. So you read that about wisdom. But wisdom is, is the logic of God. It's seeing the mind of God, knowing the mind of God. And guess what? We have the mind of God. He, it's, it's called the Word of God. Amen? And God's Word gives us a new perspective of what God thinks. And so we ought to see this world through God's eyes. We ought to see clearly, amen. Reminds me of a lady that knows her husband standing on a bathroom scales and uh, he was sucking in his stomach and thinking that he was trying to, uh, to, trying to weigh less with this maneuver. She commented, she said, that, I don't think that's going to help. And he said, sure it does, he said. It's the only way I can see the numbers, <laughs> amen. I mean, he's had that, I ain't gonna, we ain't going to raise hands on that, amen, praise God. You know, a while ago, we were singing five verses of a song. I, the I, orchestra and choir, that was so beautiful, that song. I don't know if you heard the words or got the words, but, man, that was beautiful. But, uh, you know, I, I really believe that, uh, you know, we shouldn't apologize for standing for five verses. And I'll tell you why. We keep it in perspective. Uh, the other Saturday, my son took me to the Georgia-Tennessee game. And those poor Georgia fans, they don't have uh, as much education as I thought. No offense, Docs. But um, they, uh, they thought stands meant stand the whole blooming time, Jim. I mean, and I'm sitting there on the 50, 40-yard line thanking God for these seats that I never sat in. We stood the whole time. And it wasn't that good a game. We killed them. But, you know, I, I, thought, I thought to myself, uh, if I can stand two hours for a blooming ball game, I can stand about 30 minutes for a song service, amen. Some, now, some of y'all complain, sit down, puffed up, five verses, bless God. You know, go to a Georgia Bulldog game, you'll stand two hours, amen, praise God. But it's fun, amen. It's a lot of fun. But let's, let's, look, let's read in the Word of God, and I want to start with um, um, verse 1 again. You'll stand in honor of the Word of God. Stand in honor of the Word of God. I want to tell you something, being a Baptist, you'll never be out of shape. It's stand up, up, down, up, down. Baptist calisthenics, praise God, amen. And so uh, I think we ought to be enthusiastic about serving God. Smile, be happy, be joyful. And even the Lord rebukes the Pharisees for being such sad people uh, in verse 16. But we'll get there in a minute. It says, and again, he entered to Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Now, folks, when he's in the house, it makes a difference. Thank you for those songs. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that they were... No room to receive them, not as much as about the door. The, and he preached the word unto them. Isn't that great? Uh, folks, don't come for entertainment, come from the word. And they come into him, bringing one sick of palsy, uh, listen now, uh, which was born of four. And when he, had, he could come not nine to, to him for the press, the number of people pressing around, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, and let down the bed wherewith the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, born of four, that's what I preached on last week, 
he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemy? For who can forgive sins but God only? And I believe this is the whole crux of the matter, uh, matter and it's also the message of the chapter. Why did this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves, he can read your mind. He said to them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it be easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man, would you underline that? The Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipts of custom. And he said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus was at meat in his house, many of the publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus, and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. Thank God for Levi, who became Matthew, getting saved as a tax collector. We'll preach a little bit on that in just a moment. I want to entitle this message to rescue a sinner. The most important priority of Jesus. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this scripture. Lord, it's powerful, sharpening any two-edged sword divides the thoughts and uh, intents of the heart. Lord, it goes beneath the surface. If we'll only listen and let it be engrafted in our souls. Lord, thank you so much for the great song service. I enjoyed it so much. Prepared my heart to worship and help me worship through that good singing and those godly songs played and sung. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us not to take this for granted. Lord, that we're here to worship you and to acknowledge your presence through the Spirit, through the Word. And God, may you work. May you work deep in our hearts to see how you look at things, and especially lost sinners dying and going to hell. God, give us the Lord's perspective this morning, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning I want to go back to verse 1 and review just a few minutes on God's perspective. You know, when I believe that uh, we preach a message, it can be preached several times, and I've got about 20 sermons in the file on this passage over the 44 years I've preached. But I, I, I looked at it this week, and God would not let me leave verses 1 through 12 because I believe we need to see what God saw. We need to see what the Son of Man, which is a great title that he gave himself, saw when this man came to the house. And they couldn't come in because of the people around it. And so these four determined people that we pictured as faith and compassion and determination, uh, you know, they, they had faith believing that if they could only get him to Jesus, Jesus could make a difference. Isn't that the truth? And folks, I don't believe we really believe that because we don't bring in, uh, in many sinners into the house of God like we used to. 
I believe we really believe that God was the only difference. I had a long talk with a young man who knew the Bible, been raised right, and I said to him, I said, you know, it's one thing to believe all this, but you've got to put it in your heart. You've got to put it to practice. You've got to believe it with all your heart and live it. And you're living beneath your privilege if you do not. And I want to tell you something, it was a great encouraging conversation with a young man that I'm looking forward to getting to know. But, you know, I tried to give him God's perspective. God's perspective is God's word. It's not, I, I don't have the solution. I don't have great counseling. But I got a great God with a great word and a great Holy Spirit that can give you comfort and help you in any area you might be going through. And folks, first of all, I see Jesus looked up. And I believe he looked up and saw the ceiling being broken too. Now, if we saw that, our security team would go into action and probably shoot them. But I want to tell you something. And it's sad today that we have to say that because of the tragedy up in Pittsburgh. But I want to tell you this, friend. God help us. God help us to see that any time a sinner comes to the Lord, it's not an interruption, it's a divine appointment. And these four people, these four friends, what a friend they were to this man that was paralyzed, on a cot and couldn't come to Jesus, and it pictures a helpless sinner that can't come on his own uh, to Jesus. He must have the, the power of the Holy Spirit to convict him and lift him up and convict him that he's a sinner and needs to be saved. But they lowered this sick man friend down to probably right at the foot of Jesus where he was teaching in that house. It was a full house because the press was even there, amen. And that's not the press, the liberal press I know wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be covering it. Or they would, they'd slant it. But I'll tell you something, friend. Thank God for that Sunday school lesson. Y'all think about it. But I'll tell you this, friend. They made a way because they were determined. They had faith. They had compassion. They loved that man but they had faith in God. And I believe Jesus said in verse, in verse um, 5, when Jesus saw their faith, He didn't say saw that man's faith. He said saw their faith. Now let me ask you a question. Do you have enough faith to bring somebody to church? Do you have enough faith to believe that if you can just get them here and then get under the sound of the gospel, under the power of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of true worship, not some, not some hullabaloo, not some show, not some entertainment. They can go to the movies for that. They can go to the dance for that. But I mean under the presence and power of the Holy Ghost, do you believe that God could change people's lives? And I know you do. And folks, that's why we support missions. That's why we bring them. And we have to work together. We have to work together. We have to oil the hinges. And, and uh, this week I met a lot of people, and, and uh, some were in high places. Some were uh, in very brokenhearted places. I got to meet some of the leading uh, community leaders of our church. I met the, uh, the governor of the state and heard his speech and all kinds of things. And I thought, man, what am I doing here sitting at this table? And I've realized after we sat there that uh, there was a lot of sinners there that need to be saved. No matter how high up you are, how low you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, folks, there's only two kinds of people, lost or saved, in or out, saints or ain't. Amen. you either saved or you're not. And folks, that's the most important thing. And I believe the Lord looked at that situation and He saw these men's faith. But then I think He looked down. When that man got on the ground, He looked down at a man that He loved. And immediately, immediately, He went to the heart of the problem. Now, He was there to be healed. The press was there, and that's a lot of people were there to see a healing. That's why they were there. They'd, it was noise that He was in the house, 
And they didn't come for preaching. People don't come for preaching. They come for entertainment. We have to bring them to preaching. Amen? Uh, but I want to tell you something, friend. If people knew the power of preaching and the power of God and the power of His presence, they would crawl here. They'd walk here. They'd do anything they could to be here. And they'd all be crowded up on the front row, not the back row, no offense. And, uh, you know, they would be, they'd be uh, close to God. The other uh, Wednesday, I knew we had revival when I saw Miss Teresa halfway up the aisle. I said, man, God's, God's moving you off the back row. The revival has, has, has broke out. And then I realized that Brother Derek put about seven or eight, ten rows of children right there. She had no choice. She had to come on up. Amen. Praise God. That was a good revival. Moving forward. I'm only kidding. But anyway, I don't know why I had to say that. But listen, God looked up. And then the Lord looked down and he saw a man that only he could pick up. But what did he say? Oh, I'm going to heal you and, and this, is the, this is the reason we're here. You're sick, you're paralyzed, you're helpless. No, he said, hey, listen, son, of son, thy sins be forgiven thee. See, he knew the root of the problem. And folks, I want to tell you something. The root of the problem is this, sin, sin. The Lord looks at sin different than you look at sin. The Lord looks at sin as what put him on the cross. He's falling short of the glory of God. Folks, we can be full of self and sin and go our merry way and think everything's all right, but I'm going to tell you something. It's not all right. We need to deal with sin. And folks, we need to thank God we have a Sunday school lesson that deals with the sin of homosexuality. That's a sin. Let me go on record for that, amen? Uh, it, it's a sin. It's a sin. I don't care what platform your little party puts in their little platform. It's a sin, and I couldn't agree with that platform if I had to. You say, I don't like that. I don't care what you like. I don't like sin, and I don't like the, the lifestyle that people are, are creating as okay. I'm okay, you're okay. That's a book I read when I was in college. What a, what a book. I'm okay, you're okay. No, we're not okay. We're sinners. And the only way we're going to be okay is to be justified by the grace of God. Say amen. And so listen, don't get used to the darkness. This world's dark, and they want to politicize sin. I want to tell you something, folks. Sin is still sin, and sin will cause you to go to hell, the sin of unbelief. Not a particular sin. And once you get the unbelief settled, you can get victory over your sins. And so he looked down and saw a sinner. Isn't that precious? He cared about this one man. They cared to get him here, but when they got him here, they knew Jesus would care. And no one ever cared for me like Jesus. I was a son of a drunk. I didn't have anything to offer anybody, and Jesus cared for me. And Jesus picked me up out of that mess. And praise God, my daddy got saved later, and thank God we had a home that I could come to because I always wanted to run away from home. And, and that's why I have a special compassion for alcoholics and people that are a slave to drink because I saw the repercussions of it as a son, as a nervous son. And I want to tell you something, friend. Only the Lord changed our home. I used to want to run away from home, and I did several times and got hungry and came back after about two blocks. I didn't pack my lunch, amen. What was I going to do, you know? So I came home, got my whipping, and I was all right, amen. And I was eating. But I want to tell you something, friend. When the Lord came in, he changed our home. I used to come back from Claxton, Georgia, and I'd want to catch Daddy up past... 8 o'clock because he'd always pass out in his plate or pass out in the driveway in the car which is more dangerous and I want to see him sit, sitting up and he'd be in that chair reading his Bible I wanted to catch him doing that then the next morning I wanted to wake up and as I spent the night and I did this often 
uh, came unannounced and watch him get up and hug mother and say, I love you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things come new. Folks, alcoholism is not a sickness, it's a sin. If it was, let's take a pill. Let's put a patch on. Amen? But I want to tell you something, folks, it's a sin. And only Jesus can heal the sinner. He said that he was a great physician. We'll deal with that tonight. But I want to say he looked down, but he didn't look past him. And he looked and he said, sinner, you can be forgiven. And I believe that man believed right there. And I want to say this, friend, if he went home, Without being healed, he'd go home happy because he was spiritually healed. Amen? And folks, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. What does it profit a man if he gets healed of cancer and goes to hell? It's just a temporary healing, isn't it? But praise God, when you're saved, it's eternal healing. You're saved and going to heaven. Amen? And nothing can take that away from you. So he looked down. He looked up. Then he looked around. And this is the whole crux of the of the chapter probably, but he saw some critics spying on him. The reason I know he was spy, they were spying because the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, and I believe it's verse 17, the Bible says, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, stalking him, and Judea and Jerusalem, and the powers of the Lord was present to heal them. They couldn't deny the power of God, but they were there to criticize. Now, don't you ever come to church to criticize. God might give you lockjaw. Say amen. One lady says she's going to put her uh, tongue on the altar to the pastor, and the pastor says, I hope it'll hold it. Amen. But I will, tell you, I will say that some of y'all hadn't smiled yet, so I'm going to give up on you. But anyway, listen, we ain't here to smile. We're here to get right. But listen, Jesus looked around. Not here to frown either. Say amen. And folks, he saw the critics. There they are. He said, they said immediately there was a certain of the scribes sitting there, verse 6, and reasoning in their heart. I'll tell you, that's an awesome thought. God's reading your heart right now. Some of you just changed channels. You ain't listened to a thing I said, but when I said that, you said, I better listen to that guy because God knows if I'm listening. Amen. Some of y'all saying, I wish he had hushed so I could get out here and eat. God, God knows that. Get your mind off food. Why does this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now, folks, here it is. He used their criticism. He used their accusations. He used their critical spirit to teach a great lesson. And the rest of the chapter is on proving who he is and why he was there. I mean, on this earth. So then he looked within and he saw the critical hearts. And he began to accuse, they accused him of blasphemy. Not only by forgiving this man's sin, but by healing his body. But, the, but folks, he read their heart. You know what that proves? He's, he was, he's God. It proves the deity of Christ. Folks, but as also he was applying to himself the title that really interests me in verse 10. He, says, but, he said, whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, verse 9, thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. He says, I'm the healer, but I'm first the Savior. And forget the healing until you get saved. But look at verse 10. Here it is. But that ye may know, that ye may know. See, God wants you to know. God wants you to have a perspective, a spiritual perspective on this world. So many people are so carnal, so worldly, so dead in their sins and trespasses, they don't understand spiritual things. 
but they, that they may know, here it is, the Son of Man. The Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. I mean, that's the scribes, Pharisees, and criticizers too. And glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Folks, I, I, I just, when, I, when I read that son of man, I thought about how God became man for us. He's all God, he's all man. You try to figure that out, you'll be God. You can't trace God, you must trust God. Folks, so listen, I can't figure the Trinity. I can't understand how Calvary can cover all my sins in His blood. But I want to tell you something, I sure believe it. Because I've seen the change. I've seen the difference. But folks, I look at this, this Son of Man. It's used 14 times in, the, in Mark's Gospel. And each time, it's God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, calling Himself the Son of Man. That's saying, hey, I came to this earth for a reason to come to seek and to save sinners. Amen. Not have a healing line. Not have an entertainment line. But I've come here to stand in the gap and die on the cross. And three days later, arise from the dead. And 40 days later, ascend to heaven. And praise God, I'm coming back again. We ought to realize the Son of Man is our only hope. Our only bridge over this troubled water called earth. It's only hope over our sin. It's the only hope for salvation. He is the only hope. It's not a plan. It's a person. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. And God came to us when we couldn't come to Him. And thank God for that wonderful love of the Son of Man. I want you to notice all 14, 14 mentions of the Son of Man. It blessed my heart just reading it. We'll close. Tonight I'm going to continue. And I'll explain what those um, old garments are, the new pieces, the new cloth, the new wine bottles versus the old bottles. I'll explain to you how Jesus described himself as the bridegroom. Folks, one of the greatest blessings is have a good marriage. But folks, we're married to him. And folks, that's why the Bible says it's spiritual adultery to love the world more than him. And thank God, thank God for the, for the, for the rest of the message. But I just want to, close with dwelling on this, these 14 mentions of Jesus saying he's the Son of Man. Look at verse 10 again. But that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Folks, he had power on earth because he came to this earth. And he had the power of compassion because he came to us when we couldn't come to him to forgive sin because he went to the cross. Look at verse 28, same chapter. Verse 28, and says, Therefore the Son of Man is is the Lord of also of the Sabbath. I'll talk about the new wine bottles, the old wine bottles, and the old garments, and the patching, and all this thing, but all that was saying is, listen, you don't mix uh, law with grace. Folks, you can't patch it, and oh, the, the cults always want to put a little Jesus in there. They always want to put a little uh, humanistic Jesus in there, a little work salvation, and folks, it's not going to work. Folks, it's all Jesus, amen? It's all the death, burial, and resurrection. You say you're too narrow-minded. I'm so narrow-minded a mosquito could light on my nose and kick both eyeballs out on that, amen? That's narrow-minded, say amen. 
I'm telling you what, I believe that He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh the Father but by Him. Say amen. You say, all you Baptists are narrow-minded. The other day, Brother Tommy Grisby was up there at Kroger's and minding his own business. A guy falling around and says, you want to go to our new bar? You want to go to our new bar? You want to he says, no, I, my religion forbids me not to go to the bar. And we're not going to come back to this store as soon as Food City's open across the street. A bar in Kroger's. I ought to have an ice cream bar, not a liquor bar. Say amen. I'd go to the ice cream bar. I've already went too much. Amen. He followed him around. He says, yeah, I know what you are. And he looked at uh, Tommy and said, I bet you're a Baptist. Boy, that burns me up. I'm going to go look that guy up this afternoon, but I'm going to stalk him out. Amen. I'm going to say, hey, here's the Baptist preacher of his church. And I want to tell you something, family. If we got a reputation of being against a bar and being against liquor, that's a good reputation. Say amen. Just count me in, praise the Lord. Baptist. Praise God, folks. We're first a Christian. And Christians ought to be against the things of the world, liquor. I know what it did to my home. You can go up there and get tipsy while you try to buy your bread and milk if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. What we ought to do is stand against it. Now, I didn't mean to be political, and I don't mean to burn Kroger's, but I want to tell you this, man, my, my wife loves it. That's the nearest place, you know. She don't love the bar, I hope. Amen. But anyway, <laughs> she's shaking her head. You know I don't. I won't eat for a week. But anyway, listen. Listen. Therefore the Son of Man has come, and He's the Lord of the Sabbath. We don't get saved by Sabbath keeping. He is the Sabbath. Our rest is in Him. Folks, that's powerful. The Son of Man has come not to be part of the law, but to fulfill the law. Amen. And the greatest sacrifice that ever was sacrificed was Calvary. The last lamb was Jesus. And don't you mix grace and law together. That's the whole book of Hebrews. Read it sometime. Chapter 10, 11, 12. It'll bless your heart. No, excuse me, 8, 9, and 10. Well, you can read 10, 11, 12 too. That'd be fine. Amen. I want you to look at chapter 8 of Mark, please. I enjoy preaching too much. So I'm sorry. But if I don't enjoy it, I don't think you will either. <laughs> Amen. I enjoy it. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Some of y'all look like y'all enjoy it. The Bible says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Hallelujah. Listen, I want to tell you, don't get distracted over the last illustration. It says, and, he, and being rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He told them, he said, I'm going to die on the cross, but three days later, I'm going to rise again. He had to be God to do that. Mohammed and all these other homids, they, they're still in the grave, still rotten, they got dead saviors, amen, if they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's a little narrow-minded. As I said, that is the book. And this is right, and this is truth, and this is great doctrine. This is exact doctrine. This is the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. He came to you, and He died for you, and He took your hell, and He took your death, and He took your sin debt. And you can go free because of the Son of Man. That's the perspective. That's the perspective of chapter 2. Can somebody at least wink at me one time saying you agree, say amen. I'm talking about you men. Ladies, y'all don't wink. Look at chapter 9, please. I want you to look at chapter 9, verse 9. 
I mean, just, just a phrase can tilt my wheel. How about you? It says in chapter 9, verse 9, As they came down uh, from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen. This is the transfiguration. They saw God. They saw his glory. Peter wanted to go into a building program. He said, let's build five, three altars. Always going in a building program. He said, hush. So we're going, we're, going to, we're going to praise and worship the living God, me. But look at this. And he came down from the mountain. He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. Son of Man risen from the dead because he's God. And so we see in chapter 9 and verse 12, this wonderful time they come off the mountain and he said it's written of the Son of Man. Folks, this whole book's written for you to see the Son of Man. Look at verse 12 of the same chapter. Verse 12, the Bible says this. Uh, it says, And he answered and told them, Elijah is very, very, verily cometh first and restoreth all things. How is it written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and, 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 and be set at naught? They didn't understand the death, burial, and resurrection yet. But they were about to see it. They're about to see him who is invisible. Look at verse 31, same chapter, chapter 9, verse 31. The Bible says, For he taught the disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is delivered unto the hands of men, uh, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ was hung up on a message called the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection, say amen. And I think we ought to get hung up on it. And I believe we ought to get excited about it. And I believe we ought to be like the four people that brought one. We ought to get the gospel to a lost and dying world, no matter what the cost. Don't figure it, faith it. And don't fake it. Then I see chapter 10, verse 33. This phrase, this phrase will bless your heart, bless my heart. I hope it's blessing your heart. Verse 33 says, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Folks, the Son of Man has a tremendous tie to what the Son of Man did for you. He went to the cross and he died for you. He took your place. Look at chapter 10, verse 45, our theme verse for the whole book of Mark. Aren't you enjoying Mark? I love it. I just love it. I love that I know where I'm going to preach tonight, the rest of this chapter. That's a real pressure relief for a preacher, I'm telling you. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That sums up the whole book of Mark. He's the servant. He's the servant. He came to serve you. He came to minister not to be ministered unto. And folks, that ought to be our attitude. We ought to come here today to minister, not to be ministered unto. But as we're ministered unto, we ought to leave here being a blessing to these little kids that don't have a home. Be a blessing to people's marriages that are falling apart. Be a blessing to people that uh, call you up in the middle of the night and say, I don't feel like living. Be a blessing to people that are scared to death to go under the knife and, and have surgery. Be a blessing to a home that the, the mama cannot stop crying because she's done everything with a person since elementary school and they've been together over 65 years. Folks, the Son of Man's come to minister. To minister. 
to care when people are hurting, to care when people can't stop crying and saying it's okay, just go ahead and let, just go ahead and cry. Because if I left, if I, if I if I'd have lost my Connie, I would have been crying, and I wouldn't care who knew it. My heart would be broken. There would be emptiness. It'd be hurt. Folks, the Son of Man comes to us to minister to us. And when we can't handle it, God can. And when we don't know where to go, God knows the way. And folks, when we don't know what to say, God's presence is enough. And folks, we need to get to ministry. We need to stop coming here as a show and thinking we're going to get a rate this sermon from 1 to 10 and see if we can get blessed before we get out of here. Or evaluate the choir's performance. It's not a performance, it's an act of worship. Say amen, Brother Randy. We're not here at some stinking ball game or sports event. Praise God, we're here to worship the living God, and it has eternal dividends and eternal consequences that we do that. Look at chapter 13. I'm getting hung up now. Chapter 13, verse 26. I'm glad the Lord said it. Verse 26, he then shall, it says, Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, with great power and glory. After all this death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, one day we're going to see him again. And as the angel rebuked the gazing, glazing, stale disciples, said, hey, didn't you, didn't you hear him? Get going. He said he's coming in like manner, Acts 1.11. Stop grazing and gazing and get going. The church is grazing and gazing at each other and trying to get entertained today and folks it's a show when folks we ought to sh let ask God to show up as the son of man and go out and live like the son of man tell people about Jesus bring them to Jesus and so we see in chapter 13 verse 26 but also see in verse 34 same chapter y'all get a blessing out of this it says for the son of man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, even at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Let's come and suddenly find you sleeping. Is that 11 o'clock service? Find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch! Watch and pray! You might not be succumbed to temptation. Watch as if he could come today. Worship as if he could come today. But I want to tell you what this is saying. One day there's going to be accountability. And he's coming as a, he's coming as a tax collector. He's coming as an accountant, excuse me. And he's coming to, for you to give account of what you did from the time you were saved to the time you died or the rapture took place. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, there's going to be many people standing in the ashes because they worshipped in vain. They lived in vain. They did it for me, myself, and I instead of the glory of God. They did it for the love of attention and the love of, of, uh, uh, of uh, money or the love of uh, reputation instead of the love of God. They're going to lose their rewards. Son of man's coming. But folks, I'm telling you, he's coming as judge of judge and Lord of lords, and King of kings. Let me just close. You say, I wish you would, I'm hungry. But I want you to look at chapter 14. Chapter 14, and verse 21. Chapter 14, verse 21. 
The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that that man if he had never been born. Talking about Judas. Folks, listen. Judas rejected the Son of Man, the Son of God. And folks, I don't know how people do it, but I'll tell you what, they, they're born in America, raised in America, hear the gospel all their life, and they still reject it. Because they're blind in their sins and trespasses. And folks, it said, be better you've never been born, to be born and die in your sin and go to hell. And then look at this, verse 41. Real quick, we're closing. The Bible says, Chapter 41, you with me? Verse 14. Chapter 14, verse 41. And he cometh the third time and said to them, Sleep on now. Take your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinner. Rise up, let us go low. He that betrayeth me is at hand. He's praying in the garden. He comes back and finds his three disciples asleep. And folks, he said, The Son of Man is betrayed. Behold, the Son of Man is going to Calvary. Sleep on now, take your rest. The hour's come. That hour was the greatest hour of your life if you're saved. It was the hour of Calvary. It was, the, it was a time that he hung between hell and heaven just for you. The Son of Man came to save your soul. Look at verse 62. Verse 62. Same chapter 14. And Jesus said, I am. That's enough, isn't it? He is the I am, not the I was. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus used the term Son of Man 80 times in the four Gospels. It's important that you realize, sinner, the only way to be saved is because the Son of Man came and took your place. Folks, the idea is that we can't emphasize the four that brought the man to Jesus. But I want to tell you something. The real emphasis is, after the criticism, called him a blasphemer, called him a false prophet, he said, wait a minute, I am the son of man. In other words, he was saying, I came to save this sinner. And I'll save your soul if you won't mix law and grace together and try to get saved by your own self-righteousness saved through the righteousness of the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message. I pray it's been a message. Lord, just the phrase Son of Man is a message. What you said, Lord, we're looking forward to studying every one of them and going through every chapter of Mark on these Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. But Lord, I know the real perspective of Mark is that he's presenting Christ as the Son of Man. That God became man. That God took on the flesh. That he could bear our sins. That he could die in our place. But he receded that he was the son of God. When up from the grave, he arose. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, dear God, for true salvation that comes through the Son of Man taking our place. Calvary. Lord, help us as we study tonight how wonderful it is to see Levi get saved and become Matthew and how you brought 
many of his friends to a feast, Matthew's dinner. Lord, we do that often here. We have a dinner, a lunch to get people in the house of God. And thank you, dear God, that Matthew became the penman of the first gospel that lifted you, lifts you up as the king, the mighty king, the only king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords that fulfilled all the law through your grace. Lord, thank you for presenting yourself to those judgmental, critical Pharisees that we could see who you are and believe in our heart that if we'll know the Son of Man, that you'll set us free from ourself and our sin and this old crummy world. Thank you, dear Lord, for eternal forgiveness.